Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. My name is Jens Nelson and with me is Lucas Stock. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. We thank you for joining us as we explore, discuss, and grow as followers of Christ. So on today's Christians of History episode, we're going to talk about Bart of the Houses. Um, that's that's a good way to refer to him. Um, if you're an English speaker um, or if you're from Spain, you might say something to the effect of Bartolome de las Casas. Just Boom. It might sound better than that. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to call him Bart or de las Casas because I find it for some reason really difficult to say Bartolome. Um, I don't know just doesn't roll off my English tongue so well. Um, so Bart was a, not to be confused with Carl Bart, who might be on a future episode, but um, De Las Casas was a Spanish priest and Dominican friar who lived from around 1484 to 1566, um, which is kind of interesting because a lot of really important stuff happened in Europe and in the world during those years. Um, both from a religious history perspective as well as just a broader world history and geography perspective. Um, We've got Christopher Columbus in 1492. We've got the Protestant Reformation starting in 1517. We've got all of the changes in European culture and world culture and colonialism and everything that followed those events. Um, So it's kind of interesting to think about all the stuff that was going on in De, La Casas, De Las Casas's life, um, or really more accurately, going on during his lifetime, because a lot of a lot of the you know we might expect if we're talking about a Catholic priest during the early 1500s that we're going to be talking about the Reformation, but that's actually didn't have really any impact on his life whatsoever. So we're not even going to talk about the Reformation. <laughs> um, what did have a lot of impact on his life was um, Spanish colonialism in the New World, um, the so-called New World, I guess. But um, that is because he is primarily known for his work as a missionary in the New World, um, in the, the, the Spanish, the, the, you know, the newly founded Spanish colonies at the time, um, and specifically for his influential writings and advocacy in, in the Spanish legal system on behalf of the indigenous population in the colonies, which is also the the dates of his life also become important again because I don't know how many early 1500s colonialists are advocating for indigenous populations uh, in the I'd say books. next to none. So, or I guess next to one. Next to yeah, maybe next to next to good old Bart here. But so he's a really interesting figure, which is why I wanted to cover him. And his life has a lot of kind of ins and outs and ups and downs. Um, so. I'm primarily using the Encyclopedia Britannica article on him, which is free to access. Um, it's got a lot of good information, and it's a good place to to start. Um, it's really just how I start all of these episodes, is just checking out that article of the respective person, and it usually gives a really good basis to kind of give it the, the overview of, of his biography. So, like I said, he was born probably in 1484. Um, in 1502... He traveled to the island of Hispaniola, which today is made up of Haiti and the Dominican Republic. Um, at the time, it was a new Spanish colony. 
Um, while he was there, he engaged in several expeditions, which earned him favor with the local colonial government and authorities. Um, and part of that ended up in him receiving an encomienda as a reward, which encomiendas were basically um, land that you would be given and as property to, to, to farm or to oversee or, or whatever, um, which is obviously a very valuable resource, um, as well as ownership of the indigenous people that were living on that land. So it was sort of a package deal where you'd get the land, which in, contained all the resources. You know, if you're talking about like, I don't know, I don't know what they grew, different crops that they grew or natural resources, animals, um, and very tastefully, the people also became your property. Um, so he became uh, an owner of an encomienda and he was not yet ordained as a priest, so he was sort of a lay catechist, and he was evangelizing the the people who were sort of under his control at this point. And I don't know if it's because he was he was getting to know them through these efforts or what, but in 1513, um, he... I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. In, in 1513, he was ordained to the priesthood. He was probably the first person ordained in the New World, which is kind of a fun fact um and what's a not so fun fact right after he got ordained he went and engaged in the spanish conquest of cuba and as a reward for his efforts he was given even more native serfs to uh control or own um so so far it's pretty obvious that he hasn't really done anything to earn his reputation as a defender of indigenous rights <laughs> Um, but that right around here is where his story kind of takes a turn. Um, so possibly due to his experiences in, in the conquest and his expeditions, witnessing the violence and exploitation against the native people, um, of his, his colleagues and his, his, you know, neighbors and, 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 you know, the people that he is serving under, um, in 1514, he preached a sermon where he announced that he was returning all of his serfs to the governor. So he was kind of, you know, returning to the governor, you know, probably didn't result in them being free, but he is freeing them in terms of, you know, he's giving up his, his, uh, you know, quote unquote, right to his serfs. Um, and then what he does is he goes back to Spain um, because he wanted, he, he, he couldn't do what he wanted to do, you know, sending messages across the ocean. Um, so he goes back to Spain to work on advocating for changes to the way that the indigenous people were being treated by the uh, Spanish um, colonists and, and colonizers. Um, he gained the support, you know, of a bunch of powerful people, including an archbishop, and he eventually was appointed priest procurator of the Indies. So basically his job was to lead a commission to investigate the treatment of the native people, which was probably the easiest investigation anyone's ever conducted, especially since he already knew what was going on. And that was the whole reason he went right. back. So I don't, I don't really know all the details of like what all that entailed, but I think it's kind of funny to, to be like, Hey, we shouldn't mistreat these people. And then the response being, okay, go investigate how they're being treated. I don't know. It's kind of funny just to, 
to without knowing all the well, ins and outs of medieval spanish politics it, it's kind of interesting right and <laughs> the kind of crazy thing in my mind too is you know think about how like flippant maybe flippant isn't the right word like how um i can't think of a better word than like wishy-washy um fickle that's the word i was looking uh, for how fickle we are as humans you know you mentioned that he didn't want to like take the time to do the correspondence you know overseas so he's like well i'm gonna sail all the way back to europe <laughs> and it's like what if like two days into that journey you're like this was a bad idea it's like you're committed to it so like yeah. I, I don't know that's kind of cool just to show like that it wasn't just like on a whim but you know this is how much he cared i guess yeah, and as we'll see, that never really wavered. I mean, it seems to me like it really just uh, strengthened. Um, so he goes, he's the priest procurator. He does his investigation, you know, skipping ahead a little bit. He goes, he's back in Spain again, um, and he continued working to to push for and seeking improvements to the colonial treatment of the native people. Um, so partially due to an appearance before parliament that he made, where he gave a really powerful speech, um, King Charles I of Spain actually approved De, La Cas- De Las Casas's plan to, um, develop settlements of free native people and Spanish citizens living together to develop a new civilization cooperatively. Um, so a civilization of Spanish and native people sort of from, from the ground up where everyone is on an equal ground. Everyone is, is free. Um, That's pretty cool. And unfortunately this experiment, you know, he, he, he went, he went back to establish a, a, a settlement founded on this model in like 1520 and by 1522, it had kind of completely fallen apart and failed um, because there was lots of resistance um, from other um, Spanish landowners as well as uh, local indigenous people. Um, and uh, the result was that this really good idea that that probably had a lot going for it that the king had gotten behind, um, it, it kind of fell apart um so because of that uh he he kind of at this point which i can understand you know several back and forth trips you know talking to the king setting up a new town and and you know like like a lot of pretty impressive accomplishments at at least a lot of major work being done kind of all falls apart so he kind of uh retreats back into religious life so in 1523 this is when he joins the dominican order um and be, and be, you know he was already a priest but he becomes a friar um so he's living in santo domingo and he's um you know in religious life um he starts to write during this time the first thing he writes is called the historia apologetica um and that eventually became the introduction to what people call like his his sort of his magnum opus, which was the uh, Historia de las Indias, which is basically an account of everything that happened um, that he witnessed in the New World. And I'm actually going to read a little bit, um, not not from it, but a but a summary of of a one of the stories in it, um, which is just something else. <laughs> um, so, 
Um, oh, this was actually from from a different from a different work, but it kind of gives a, an example of the um, the stories that he's that he's sharing. So there was a um, uh, a chieftain, a native chieftain on is- the the island, Hispaniola, um, uh, named Hatui, who fled by canoe to um, Cuba in 1511 to warn the natives in Cuba about the Spanish and and what they were doing. Um, so apparently the way he warned them about this is Hatui, this native chieftain, showed the Cubans some gold and gems that he had brought and said, see, this is the God of the Christians. This is a God they greatly worship and they want us to worship him too. And that is why they fight to enslave us and kill us. Um, which is pretty devastating to read as a Christian. <laughs> um, and yeah, Hatui was eventually um, sentenced to death after he got captured by the Spanish. Um, so then he's tied to a stake. He's being brought out to where he's going to be burned alive. And then a Franciscan friar comes up to Hatui who tried to explain the Christian faith to him, including heaven and hell and all those kinds of things and then he asks Hatui if he would convert so that he could go to heaven instead of going to hell and Hatui asked him in reply he said um uh he asked if Christians all went to heaven so the friar said yes so then Hatui responded without any further thought and said that he'd rather go to hell than to heaven so he wouldn't have to see such cruel people again or be near them um And then Las Casas has this quote sort of summing it up. He says, such is the dishonorable reputation that God and our faith have earned thanks to the Christians who went to these islands, which I think is a very apt summary. Um, So he's, you know, I didn't read that in the beginning. That was hard to hear. Yeah, I didn't read that in the beginning because um, reading it here, I wanted to give an idea. This is the sort of thing he's writing. He's writing about his experiences and he's not writing like a history book. He's writing, um, you know, he's writing to make a point. He's he's interpreting these events to sort of indict the the colonists, indict his people, really, um, for what he saw as the sin of in, injustice and oppressing the native people. Um, especially, you know, as, as a priest and, and a friar, like, especially in the name of God, you know, is not exactly something he can get behind. Um, so he was he was trying to basically, like, kind of get people's attention and be like, look at mm. what's happening in the, you know, the Indies, you know, and, and people in Spain to, to see. Um, so he continued, um, you know, he continued uh, writing. He continued a new quote-unquote, form of evangelization that was basically peaceful as opposed to, you know, con- based on conquest. Um, so he he continued to basically do his work on behalf of the Native peoples while he was still in the New World. He eventually ended up going back to Spain. He uh, became an advisor to the king. He was engaged in a lot of debate uh, with other major figures to sort of, you know, continue to defend the cause of the natives against people who were arguing, you know, on, on various grounds, you know, for the continued enslavement and all that kind of stuff. Um, and 
uh, like I said, he, he, he produced a bunch of really important, um, uh, really significant uh, big books uh, on his experiences and, and from his experiences um, that I believe are, are accessible in English. Um, I haven't read any of them, but, um, you know, they're on my infinite, infinitely long backlog of book list to get to. Um, um, and yeah, so I, that's, that's sort of his life in times, the, the most important, um, you know, there's a lot more that can be said as far, you know, his work as an advisor to the king, you know, his work details and stuff. But I think that um, focusing in on his, his experiences in the new world are really important. And I just want to close the overview of his life with another quote from him um, that is, I'm, I'm quoting from um, a, a, an essay by Gustavo Gutierrez um, that uh, Bartolome de las Casas said, um, basically, this is his reason for defending the, the natives. Because the least one, the most forgotten one, is altogether fresh and vivid in the memory of God. Which I think is just a really sort of beautiful way to encapsulate yeah. the value of the people that he was, ex- you know, interacting with and seeing mistreated. Um, and, of course, all people everywhere have that same right. um, freshness in God's memory, which is a, just such a such a stark image um, and way of speaking mm. that, that really captures um, the value there. So, so yeah, that's uh, sort of my, my somewhat uh, clunky summary of Bartolome de las Casas's life and work. Well, thank you. And uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast. You can find us at uh, doxologypodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to send us feedback, questions, episode ideas, uh, sign up for our newsletter. You can do that on our Instagram um, bio or um, I think on Twitter as well. Uh, Check out logos.com slash doxologypodcast. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Peace. See you.